I really believe, and at the core of NYX, we believe that the most aspirational thing in the world is to like yourself and to be comfortable with who you are. And ultimately, we're all just in pursuit of that. And to like yourself, you have to feel seen, you have to feel represented, you have to feel welcomed, you have to feel celebrated. And so in many cases, like I was creating the brand that I needed for my own self-confidence. Welcome back. This is the Confident Collective Podcast, and we are your hosts. I'm Rayanne. And I'm Christina. We are curb models, content creators, and some would even say comedians. We started the Confident Collective Podcast to help you live your most confident life by sharing our stories and sitting down with experts to talk about, well, life. We chat sex, dating, business, relationships, and so much more. We hope you love this episode, so let's get into it. You guys, it is the week of the event of the season. The event of our lifetime. (laughs) The (laughs) event that everyone is going to be talking about. The hottest ticket in town. (laughs) Honestly, like, it is crazy. The impact that this event is going to have is going to transcend time and space. (laughs) Our pool parties this weekend. Oh my gosh. Dude, I am so excited. I am so freaking excited. I cannot believe it's here. This is something that Ray and I have been working on for almost a year now, at least like talking about it. Yeah. Last year we were like, we should throw a summer pool party. And then we literally did not have a date that we could both, I think, be there at the same time. Until end of, sum- end of summer. And we're like, wait, now it's fall. I was like, now it's too late. So we have been holding this in our back pocket. Mm-hmm. And we're just so excited because... It's going to be fucking dope. It's going to be so freaking cool. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I have no words because I know what to expect, obviously, because we're planning it, but I also don't know what to expect. Do you know what I mean? I just think that from other, our other events that we've had, I just know our community is so freaking fun and so freaking cool that everyone's just going to have such a great time. Have you seen, I don't know, I, I think I brought this up to you, but I can't remember what your answer was. Have you, have you seen the body positive pool party in Shrill? Yeah. Yes, that is like, ever since I saw that, I was like, whoa, that is what we need to do. And I am just so excited because this is going to be, I mean, as many people that were at our live show, but we didn't get to really like, our live show was more separate because we didn't get to like interact the whole time. Right. Whereas this is like, this is going to be like 150 of us hanging out, literally just partying and having an amazing time. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. Okay, what are you most excited for? My pre-party anxiety to go away. <laughs> no, no, no. I have pre-party anxiety too. I get so much pre-party anxiety. Same. Like even if I was just having girlfriends over to my house, like I think I would feel like same, anxious. Same, same, Totally, I get that. Like I... I I definitely, I mean, obviously, and we thought this before our live show, I'm like, is anyone going to come? Like, it's so much of What if we stink? What if we aren't fun? Yeah, what if, like, just so many things, but I feel really, I feel less scared for this one because it's not like we're on stage. Mm -hmm. We're just going to be hanging out and vibing and chatting and, like, it's it's less pressure. Totally. I'm mostly so excited to meet everyone and see everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone who bought a ticket, everyone who's coming, everyone who's so supportive, 
people who listen to the podcast. And for me, I'm also just excited to see familiar faces. Like I feel like there's a lot of people who are in my DMs being like, hey, I bought a ticket or like who have come to our other events who are coming yes. again. And it's just so nice to like continue to build that community and see people face to face. So I just, I literally physically can't wait to see everyone. I know. I'm not, that's, that's my most excited thing after my anxiety leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, yeah, I just think it's going to be like, I used to have so much anxiety about like going to pool parties and stuff. And this is a place where you know, like you do not have to worry about your body. Mm-hmm. You can just come and all you need to worry about is having fun. Literally. Oh my gosh. What? Gosh, that's actually really exciting. I know. That's such a freeing feeling. I hope everyone feels like that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we know we feel like that. And I hope that everyone knows this is like such a safe space. But I hope everyone feels like as liberated as we feel going into it. So everyone, get ready. We'll do a recap after and let everyone know how it goes. But Mm -hmm. for now, we are just so freaking excited. Saturday, baby. We will see you guys Saturday. I'm like, how are we feeling? I feel like we've really done everything we can do. This is the biggest... I mean, I've never planned a wedding. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of like the biggest thing I've ever planned. I would say in some regards, it's similar to planning a wedding. Yeah. Like you have to think about all the things, you know? Yeah. I'm feeling good. Feeling good too. Nervous, but good. Also, my family is coming in for it. Me too. I cannot wait for... Our siblings to connect. I know our siblings are going to meet. I know. And it's cool for other people to meet our siblings too. Yeah. Wait, did I ever tell you my brother just told me this, that someone slid into his DMs? What? I know, he just told me. Alexander. And I was like... I was like, who? And he's like, I'm not going to show you. He's like, it's none of your... Yeah, he was like respecting like the person's privacy. What a gentleman. But it was Wait, so cute. So they were like hitting on him? Yeah. And they were like, I never do this, but... Oh my God, wait, I'm kind of jealous. I know. Isn't that so cute? That's so cute. It's so sweet. I was like, that's so cool. And is also he gonna like, per- good is for he gonna this ask person. Her out? You know, it's a good question. I actually don't know if I asked him where she lives, if she's in LA or out here or what. And it, maybe she's coming to the pool party. Are they going to go on a little date? Maybe. Oh my God. I don't know. I don't know. He didn't want to tell me too much. He was like being kind of private about it. Alexander, mm-hmm. so secretive. Mm-hmm. I told you when we hung out, he kept being like, why are you calling me Alexander? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it's I'm so- like, that's what Christina calls you. And I literally can't call you Alex. I know. He probably thinks it's so weird. We're the only people who call him Alexander. He literally think it was like, this is so weird. I was like, well, I don't know what you're... That's what Christina calls. And like, I realized you don't even call Nicholas Nico. I, yeah, I know. Like, and you you are formal. I am formal. You're a distinguished young woman. I am. <laughs> Raising distinguished young men. <laughs> distinguished young gentlemen. It's funny because I love the name Nico. And that was like one of the reasons I like Nicholas because I thought Nico was like such a cute nickname. And I'm fine with other people calling him that. I've never heard you call him that. But I've never called him that. <laughs> I've never once called him that. And I actually think it's weird. And people are like, oh, what's his name? And like, it's Nicholas. And like, so we've been touring some preschools and people are like, oh, like, does he have a nickname? I was like, no, it's Nicholas. And I was like, if you want to, if you have to, you can call him Nico. But it's like Nicholas. I just don't want anyone calling him Nick. No. So that's why I'm part of me. It's like, do I need to start calling him Nico? So when he goes to school, people don't call him Nick for short because they know Nico is his nickname. I think if people ask about the nickname, you 100% need to say Nico because if you don't, people love to just take, you know, they will abbreviate anyone's names without, without any regard. I know. They will literally, people call me Ray without even asking. 
which is fine, but I call you just, Ray. That's fine. I actually like going by Ray. But like if I didn't give them like that option, yeah. maybe they would call me. Yeah. Sometimes you introduce yourself as Ray. Yeah. I know that was a really bad example. Yeah, that is kind of a scratch that. Okay. But I, <laughs> I think you should tell people Nico because otherwise they're gonna start throwing out Nick. When I was super pregnant with Christian, like a couple days before we had him, we met, we were like going for a stroll around the neighborhood. We met this guy, Nicholas. And he's like super cool. He's a this movie producer. He is like really fun. I met him and his wife. Like we've been like talking through like DMs ever since. Anyways, his name is Nicholas. And he said that like sometimes he gets so frustrated that people always take the liberty to just shorten it as Nick. Yeah. And I'm like, do you ever correct them? He's like, I've never once corrected someone. <laughs> he's and like so pissed about it. And he's like, I've never I was once like, said wait. a word. I was like, that's so crazy because I always thought in my mind, if I heard someone call like Nicholas Nick, I'd correct him. But it's actually like so awkward and harder to correct than you'd think. And I have caught myself. And a lot of times I'm like, whatever, I'll, I'll never see these people again. Or like, they don't care. Like, we don't see them often enough. It's not worth it. And like, I need to get better about doing that. I'm, I'm like, as his mother, I need to set the tone of what people yeah. should call my son. It's like up to me to do that. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, so what do you do? He's like, well, it happens a lot in email. So I just write passive aggressively back, Nicholas, Nicholas. in all caps. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. That's even worse than just like politely correcting them. I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So anyways, in case I ever meet any of you guys, my son's name is Nicholas, if shortened, Nico. Nico, not Nick, okay? Nico was just the last thing I'll say on the subject. Like, mm-hmm. Nico was a cool guy. Nico has edge. Nico is like everyone, oh, Nico, who is that? Nick? Mm-mm. Average Joe. Who's Nick? I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about that. So I feel passionate about that. See, I actually really like the name. I don't mind the name Nick, but I, I just don't. hate it N-I-K. Oh, spelling. I don't like the spelling of it. I'm, like, <laughs> this I, is getting too deep. I know, I know. Okay. Just anyways, it's Nico or Nicholas, okay? <laughs> Nothing how else. How did we get here? Oh, yeah. Alexander's going on oh, a yeah, date with like, one of you. How did we get here? If one of you slid into Alexander's DMs, will you please tell us? Yeah. I wonder what she... And also, I would actually be the coolest fucking sister-in-law ever. Not that you, I'm marrying you guys off, but... You would, I would be, be, unless you intimidate them. <laughs> here we go again. Wait, I don't even know if we've ever discussed that, but here we go again. Well, I did a poll on my Instagram because we'll share a little backstory. Basically, all of my friends think Christina's really intimidating. And I was like... I don't think I was ever really intimidated by you, but every one of my friends thinks you're intimidating. Even one of my most, I would say one of my friends is the most intimidating person I've probably met and she thinks you're intimidating. And I'm like, wait, what? So we told Christina this and she was really upset and she was like, they think I'm mean. And I'm like, no, no, no. Mean does not equal intimidating. And I was like, you're just very strong, confident, powerful woman. And then I was like, wait, maybe people think I'm intimidating. And I was like, Ray, you're all those things too. I know. And I was like, okay, wait, that didn't really help my argument. Because I've never been told I'm intimidating. But on the Instagram poll, people did say I was the most intimidating. Yeah. Although I will say, I think you definitely swayed that poll. The post photo she posted, I I literally have like the biggest, cheesiest smile. And Rayan has like the most resting bitch face I've ever seen you have. That is literally the definition of posting a photo when you look good. And you're, well, you looked good, but it was like, I put, yeah, you I look, mean, I'm not admitting anything, but I think maybe it helped. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not intimidating. So feel Any, free to be my sister-in-law is what I'm trying to say. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Besides our fabulous pool party coming up, what have you been obsessed with, Ray? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. Okay. In last week's episode, I talked about how I have just been gone. I have been traveling a bunch, and now I'm finally back in New York, okay? And I need a summer hobby, and everyone listening is going to freak out when I tell them, and you're not going to believe this. I tried to sign up for beach volleyball. How crazy is this? I moved from California to New York City. After talking about signing up for beach volleyball, we've talked about this for years, Mm -hmm. and we never have. Mm -hmm. I tried to sign up in New York City of all places. and Wild. But honestly, I can think of some really cute beach volleyball courts on the water yes. in Tribeca. Oh, oh there's I, probably over here in too. Williamsburg. I it's full. Oh. I can't get into a league. I'm Damn. like, I think maybe if I just show up and they see my sheer Amazonian athleticism, athleticism <laughs> maybe they'll be like, "We need this yeah, bitch on the absolutely, team." Absolutely, for sure. So if you're listening and you are anywhere in New York on a beach volleyball team, I will join. I'm serious. Please mm-hmm. let me join. But if not, she's 5'11, can jump, can spike. I'm 5'11, mildly athletic. Mm-hmm. I was cut from the volleyball team senior year, but the other three years, I was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm good. And I feel like you've become more athletic since then. I do. I yeah. think I've been in the gym. Yeah. I've been really honing my craft. But if that doesn't work out, I need a summer hobby. I'm like, okay, maybe I need to take tennis lessons, mm. pickleball lessons. I don't know. I'm just really struggling with, I need. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should do a writing class. Maybe I should do a dance class. Too many options. But I feel like what I'm missing in my life is I need to go to a weekly thing mm-hmm. where I meet people, I get involved in the community that's totally outside of work. Dodgeball. What? My friend Renew, when she was living in the city, joined a jo- dodgeball league. And she had so much fun. In this made- city? Yeah. And made so many friends. And I the reason I'm saying that is because unlike I would assume pickleball or writing class, I feel like that's maybe like a couple people that you're interacting with. But dodgeball, it's a whole a team. Lot of people. You meet a lot more friends. And I feel like, and like that'd some be fun. hot men would sign up for dodgeball. Yes, totally. Can you ask Renew to send me the deeds? Yeah, I will. The other thing I was... <laughs> I was a friend of mine told me she was like, Oh yeah, I used to be part of a competitive karaoke league in New York. <laughs> no, not absolutely not. That sounds like my dream. Wait, that exists? No, I honestly just I don't know if I love that journey for you. Really? I thought you were gonna be like, you, Wow, that's so for you. I just feel like you really your Leo is just gonna shine too bright. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Maybe I just need to keep karaoke on the weekends mm-hmm. and yeah, like that out. should be fun. I don't think you need to be competitive about it. Yeah. Dodge while you're outdoors, you're meeting people, like you're going for drinks after. Yeah. Dodge fuck, I'm about to join this league too. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. Oh my gosh. You can do whatever. If you want to do competitive karaoke, that's fine. What are you obsessing over, Christina? Okay, I'm honestly obsessing over feeling like myself. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it's just, it is just so freaking wild. Like what happens to your brain chemistry after having a baby. And I feel like for a while, I just was not feeling good. Like I was, I felt myself, I was the most insecure. I would say I've been in probably like the last decade. Wow. Yeah. In so many different ways, I felt like myself comparing myself to everyone and everything around me. Like I just couldn't stay in my lane. Like it was just, it's just been rough. And honestly, I felt like this a little bit with Nicholas too, but I think it hit me a little bit harder with Christian. And I remember with Nicholas, it probably wasn't until a 
full year, I started to really feel like myself again. And now, even though I think with Christian, it was like a little bit harder in the beginning, I'm starting to feel like myself a little bit earlier on, which is really, really great. But I saw this quote (laughs) that's, of course, from TikTok. And I just want to read it because I've been obsessed with this and I think it really makes a lot of sense. So there was a TikTok that flamingos lose their pink when raising their babies because it's such an intensive process and eventually it comes back. And I feel like this is such an important thing to remember when we feel like we've lost ourselves in motherhood, like we will get our pink back. And I just read Mm. that and I was like, oh, I could relate to it so much. And I think that when you're in motherhood and you're raising kids and especially like in the early months in postpartum, you just really wonder like, will I ever get my life back? Will I ever feel like myself again? And like you will, like if you're ever going through that, you will get yourself back. You will get your life back. Obviously, it'll be a little bit different and better in so many different ways, Like, but it will come back. And I think I needed that reminder. So yeah. when I saw that, I've just been obsessing over it. What do you, like, how do you feel like, because you feel like you're kind of feeling like yourself again after mm-hmm. having Christian. What is, like, what's been the thing that has helped you feel like that? I honestly think just time. Mm. I don't really know if I can say, like, I have done anything. I think I've done a pretty good job of, like, maintaining friendships, like kind of trying to go out, like getting into a gym routine, doing sort of things that like I like to do beforehand. But I really think it's just time and like hormones and like your brain chemistry, honestly. honestly. probably so many things that are just out of your control. I think it's so out of your control. I think it's so out of your control, yeah. There's honestly like that feeling of when you're just like, I just don't feel like myself. Exactly. It sucks. It sucks. And to feel like that for like months or years, it's like such a weird, weird feeling. Yeah. But I think what I've started to notice is I am starting to feel more confidence in my decisions. And I feel like for a while, I was just like so insecure about any decision I would make. And now I'm like feeling... Wait, what's that like? I need to dip, I need to be secure in my decisions. You're so secure in your decisions. What do you Not mean? Always. Well, I'll, I'm I'm glad. In that, many ways, you are. Well, thank you, but yeah. I'm glad that you're feeling like you have your pink back. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like it's coming back. I'm like more of like a orangey coral right now. It's I was not like say, a full like, bright what, pink. What level are we on between white and fuchsia pink? Um, pink. We're at a coral. Okay? We're at a coral. We're at a coral. Like I'm not 100 back, but I'm in track. We're on, we are on the journey. We're on the the journey and it feels good. Yeah. Okay. That makes me happy. Mm -hmm. It makes me happy too. And yeah, just, I hope that serves as a reminder for anyone else feeling that way. Yeah. It'll come back. I kind of feel like whether you had a baby or not, there's There's always always times where you like don't feel like yourself. Yeah. And like wondering what you can do to get back. I think it's something that's kind of just like maybe tested you, drained you or Mm -hmm. like, you know, really... Just freaking change your life. Yeah. <laughs> Literally insane. I mean, you might have felt like that with your move and stuff too, a little bit. Yeah, I think it's just like anytime there's like an adjustment period. Totally. To getting back to like feeling like yourself. Well, good. Christina's gonna be pink in no time. I'm gonna be pink in no time. I already feel it coming. I'm feeling really excited. And I am so excited for you guys to hear our guest today because I feel like our conversation is so powerful. And I feel like everything that she does and stands for, like in a way, like, helps you get your pink back. Yeah, she is a role model for sure in so many ways, whether it's in business, family, motherhood. Mm-hmm. She's just <laughs> really fucking cool, and I really look up to her. So we're very excited to have Joanna on the podcast. She is the founder of NYX. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys have heard me talk about her so many times because I went to her event. I think it was back in November, in November, right? The confidence year, tour. Yeah. yeah. 
And it was truly the best event I've ever been to in my entire life. Joanna, she's a Canadian entrepreneur and the founder and CEO of NYX. She launched it in 2013, which is crazy. That's they crazy. are celebrating their 10-year anniversary. I can't believe she's been doing this for a decade, but she's honestly revolutionized the industry with her leak-proof underwear. That's how NYX started. And they have expanded into apparel and to swim. She's like one of the first people to ever use real people of all ages and sizes on their website. Like she was just so forward thinking in so many ways. And it didn't come from a place of like wanting to hit marketing standpoints, wanting Mm -hmm. to just attract a new audience. It was because she truly believed like all women and all ages should be seen. Yeah. That is so powerful. Yeah. It was really, really awesome to hear her story because no matter what you're trying to do, in your life, whether it's from a business standpoint or maybe more traditional like corporate path, whatever it is, like she just really is a testament to like innovative thinking, mm-hmm. not living life safe, taking risks and all around just super inspirational. I think no matter where you're at in your life, you're going to get something from her. And like she's built a freaking insane brand and to be able to hear directly from her mm-hmm. is just, I just like soak it up. Yeah. So the brand has been around for a decade, right? Yeah. But they also now have brick and mortar stores. It was direct to consumer. It actually first started as wholesale and then she pulled out to go direct to consumer and now they have brick and mortar stores and she just sold the brand for 300, over $300 million. Yeah. Wild. Like what the heck? And she took the time to talk to us today. Yeah. Like that is the type of person who Joanna is. Like she cares so much about her brand, her vision, and most importantly, the community. I've gone to so many of their events now and I've sat down next to her and just have had the most amazing conversations. The way she makes time for everyone is incredible. She's such a role model. Oh, I love her so I much. I was FOMO that I wasn't at the confidence, the confidence tour. I know. Next time. Next time. But I think you guys are going to love this conversation. And I think you'll learn a lot too. Yep. So welcome, Joanna, to the podcast. Joanna, first of all, we are so, so, so beyond excited to have you on the podcast. I've told Ray, I've told our listeners so much about you for like months and months now. I'm obsessed with you, with the brand, just all of it. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Okay. I think we want to take it back to the beginning. Let's, Let's take it back 10 years ago. What first inspired you to start next? Yeah. So I, as we're, we're celebrating 10 years this month, which is so wild. I, I can't believe that it's been a decade. But what first got me started was two things. So one, I had this, what I thought was a good idea to make leak-proof underwear or period underwear. So it's a product that really didn't exist in the market. So many people needed it. I learned that one in three women, when they have kids, when they're pregnant, post-pregnant, can leak, when they like laugh, sneeze, cough, or do a jumping jack. 80% of people who menstruate leak every single month. And so really saw this opportunity to create a product that would be a game changer in the lives of the people who needed it. So that was one part was, was this like strong idea for a product. But what actually made me do it was while I was researching the product and researching like people, how people felt about leaks, how they felt about intimates, how they felt about their bodies. It was the height of Victoria's Secret era. And I realized that all of these things combined was just having a really big impact on people's self-esteem. So first of all, when you experience a leak, you are self-conscious. It can affect your relationships. It can affect your ability to show up and play sports, to like go to an event, leave the house. And then combined with that, there was this like very singular message in the world of what 
beauty looked like, of what women looked like. And it was doing a lot of damage. And so I saw the opportunity to create this, what's become, I think, like a game-changing product for people, which is period underwear, leak-proof underwear. But at the same time, to create a brand that was built so fundamentally different, that really celebrated our customers for who they are, that communicated that everyone was welcome and that everyone was beautiful. And yeah, it's, it's been fun kind of building ever since. And it's crazy because no one was doing it. So for you to start showing that diversity really was like groundbreaking. There wasn't, you know, the the pressure that I think is needed for brands to be inclusive and diverse. Like, I just think that's incredible. And I actually have to say I'm a recent adopter of the period panty and they are like my new favorite thing. Mm-hmm. I literally oh. even wear them when I don't have my period, like under mini dresses and stuff. No, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And I actually, Christina knows when I laugh a lot, I like pee my pants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's very common. No, I'm serious. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, these are my new favorite thing. Anyway, side tangent, I had to tell you. That's so true though, right? There was no like mood board that we were swiping from. There were no other brands that we were looking to. And it, like, I want to say that it was, you know, contrived or anything like that, but it, it really wasn't. It was like, I have been a bunch of different sizes throughout my life. I never felt like I saw myself seen in the media. And then we made these underwear that just happened to look great on everyone. And I was like, these look amazing regardless what size you are. So why don't we show people what they look like so that they can find their size easier. They can know that we have products that actually fit them. And everything at that point in time, because this was 2013, was unheard of. Even pricing 2X underwear is the same price as a pair of small was unheard of. Like everyone was charging more money for the same item, you know, like it was really a world of, of two of divides at that point in time. So I guess, how did you power through that? Right. Cause like, I mean, it's your company, so you have the strong message that you want to relay, but I'm sure like, how do you get that message across like that we actually need to be inclusive in sizing and not only in sizing, but also in our marketing and the people that we work with? Did you have any pushback with that? For sure I did. I mean, for the most part, I got a lot of positive feedback and it meant so much to people to see these things. And so I always knew that we were on the right side because whenever we would do something different or new, whether that was, you know, showing people of different ages or showing like, I think we were the first brand to show like diastasis recti, which is what can happen to your tummy kind of post-pregnancy. Every time we did these things, we would get messages from our customers and community and people would literally be sobbing. They would, it would be so profound to see yourself for the first time that anytime I would get negative feedback, which I did mainly from male investors who thought it wasn't like attractive enough what we were doing, I knew that they were wrong. And it's interesting because we've actually come so far, I think, on for, for marketing geared towards women. But for men, we are not there yet. And I wonder what will happen if we ever get there and if then they will start to view things differently. Wait, that's actually so interesting. And I've never thought about that. But I actually have a friend who shall not be named, but he is such an advocate for body diversity for women. And when it comes to men, he's like, no, men can't have that. And I'm like, wait, that's terrible. And I honestly think it's because he sees no representation that even though he's such an advocate for women, 
and body diversity and inclusion, I think that for himself, he can only still see himself in a certain way because that is the only marketing geared towards him. Yeah, it's interesting. It's I, I don't know if it'll ever get there, but a lot of the pushback that I received, that's who it was from. And then the other group I received pushback from was actually in a lot of cases, older women. And there was kind of when I would like get into dialogue or I'd have conversations with some of these folks, including like my aunt, they would just say to me like, Joanna, it's too late. You're never going to convince me of what beautiful is because I've been told for decades, I'm not beautiful. You can't even begin to change my mind. And like that was, those were always the heaviest and the saddest conversations because they had these messages ingrained in them for so long that they weren't enough that they felt like it was too late to even try. And that just feels like such a a tragedy. That's sad. And I mean, I can't imagine like hearing that from someone that you care about, number one. Mm -hmm. And then also as you're like trying to build this brand, what would your response be to people who would say like, whether it be investors or your family, like this isn't appealing enough. We don't think this is going to work. I, I just, I believed so much in the mission and what we were accomplishing. And honestly, like I would save messages on my phone. I don't know if you two can relate to this, but it's like, I would have a folder of the handful of people, which over time became hundreds and then became thousands who were like, thank you so much for doing this. And it's having a big impact so that I was constantly filling my cup with the reinforcement that what I was doing was making a difference. And honestly, I needed it for myself. Like I, I really believe, and at the core of Nix, we believe that the most aspirational thing in the world is to like yourself and to be comfortable with who you are. And ultimately we're all just in pursuit of that. And to like yourself, you have to feel seen, you have to feel represented, you have to feel welcomed, you have to feel celebrated. And so in many cases, like I was creating the brand that I needed for my own self-confidence. Because again, going back 2013, 2014, this was way before Instagram had become what it is now. And there were, you know, people like you two just like crushing it with like the best outfit inspiration and the best messages like that didn't exist 10 years ago. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes I feel like I am giving, giving, giving to everyone else and never have time for myself. I am making sure I'm available for the kids, that I'm a good partner to Steve, that I am present and available in my family's lives, that I'm calling my grandpa, and that I'm creating content and answering DMs and I'm available for everyone on the internet. And then I look back on my day and I think, wait, what have I actually done for myself? There are some days I realize the only me time I have is when I'm working. I love being available, but sometimes I feel stretched so thin and that the burnout is real. Something I love about therapy is that it can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep on supporting others without leaving yourself behind. And boy, do I need that. 
Therapy is an incredible tool to make sure you are taking time for yourself and taking care of your mental health, but it can also be helpful to address and overcome things from our past. Even in today's episode, we spoke with Joanna about how therapy hugely helped her overcome some limiting beliefs she had and how addressing those ended up helping her launch her business. So whether you want to address things from your past or need help navigating changes you're going through right now, like having a baby or moving to a new city, therapy is an incredible resource. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's designed to be convenient and easily fit into your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash confident collective today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Confident Collective. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And thank you for what you're doing because it's huge. So that was obviously a big obstacle as you were launching the brand. What were some of the other challenges you faced as you were launching NYX? Yeah, the other big challenge at first was how do you finance the business? And how do you get, at the time, what was, you know, predominantly male investors to really understand, like, what they viewed as a very niche problem? And that was always mind-blowing to me. I was like, periods are not niche. What are you talking about? (laughs) Like, the least niche thing ever. (laughs) Wait, I'm dead because that's literally, like, half of the world's population. (laughs) Every month for, for, like... A big chunk of their lives. It's not niche at all, but it was viewed as very niche. And so I was like, okay, cool. This is niche, but like an app for your dogs, like, you know, snack tracking is mainstream. Like I was like, I give up. I don't know what y'all are talking about. This is, this makes no sense. So that was, there was a lot of pushback around that at first. And that was kind of like a big hurdle that I had to work on and overcome. And then, you know, building a business is stressful. You got to do a good job and manage so many different things and not run out of money. But I think like when I look back at what the biggest challenge was overall, like truly overall, the biggest obstacle I had to overcome was the mental block I had in my head that I could be enough and good enough and deserving of building something great. Because I think at the end of the day, we all are the thing that holds ourselves back. And that was a journey. No, I think that is so true. What, What are the things that you told yourself? Like, how did you convince yourself that, wait, I am capable of doing this. I am enough. I am worth people investing into and I can build this brand. A lot of therapy. (laughs) Surrounding myself with other people who were bold and fearless and pursuing their passions and who believed in me too. Asking myself, what's the worst that's going to happen and really playing it out and realizing that like everything was going to be okay. The things that I really care about that really matter. You know, what do my family think about me? What do my close friends think about me? Like, will I still have my integrity? Like really playing out what's the worst that's going to happen and realizing it wasn't that bad. 
And then the deeper layer of letting go of a lot of stuff that was just ingrained in me since I was a kid that like slowly over time have had to sort of just release, if that makes sense. Like what? Can you share some of that with us? Um, Yeah, like I grew up really uncomfortable with goodbyes and things ending. And so working through the fact that like, it's okay if certain things end, it's okay if like relationships with colleagues or teammates end, you know what I mean? That doesn't mean that like the world is over. People can, not everyone's going to stay and that's okay. So that was definitely a big one in the early days of Nick's, I would always react very, very, very emotionally and poorly when people would decide to leave the company. And that was all connected to like, a f- just like a fear of, of things ending and people leaving and like that kind of thing. So that's one example. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's a yeah. good example because, and then I think that just goes back to fear of change and like the fear of the unknown. Exactly, exactly. But I think it's just so amazing because with all those obstacles and unknowns and uncertainties, like you still have the confidence in you to go for it. And I feel like that's where people really struggle. So many people are striving for perfectionism or like waiting for A, B, C, and D to like fall through before they can start something. And I think like having the courage and the confidence to be like, you know what, like maybe things are going to be perfect right away. Like I just need to go for it. Let's just launch is so important. And I guess for someone who like is waiting and like wanting to start something, what's the advice that you can give them to, you know, like to get off the ground and just go for it? I'm a big fan of talking about things because I think when you talk about them, it starts to build accountability with others and it starts to make it real. So sometimes like an easy place to start is just to tell people what it is that you're thinking about. Like, I don't know how it went with y'all starting a podcast, but maybe you told a few people and then you put it out there and you're like, well, I've told enough people that we actually have to go and do this because people we've said we're interested in it and what's going to hold us back. And so I think oftentimes that's a good place to start. I think saying things out loud, seeing what the response is, holding yourself accountable to sharing it with people. And that can be like a really big driver in kind of getting the momentum to start to think about something else. It's really easy to think about something big and scary and a change and not to tell anyone except for the voices in your head because then you don't, you don't have to be accountable to it. You don't get anyone else's opinions or perspectives. It's not actually real. And so, so many of the things that you've done at Nix, I've said really audacious things out loud before it's happened. And my team now knows they're like, well, Joanna said it. So like, it's going to happen. You know, like Christina, you came to our confidence tour. I was like, we're going to do this party and everyone's in their underwear and there's going to be hundreds of people and we're going to do a catwalk. And you're like, well, Joanna just said it out loud. So now it's going to happen. But I intentionally say these things out loud. Yeah. You're putting it into the air. Yeah. The things that I'm afraid of, I say out loud. Okay. So first of all, the confidence tour, like you, I have to send you the episodes where I talked about it because it was truly, and it like still is, gives me chills. It was the best event I've ever been to. I loved it so much. 
Um, so I guess I want to know that same energy because you just had this iconic photo shoot where you shot your swim collection and everything mm. was shot and live on the website, right? Like no editing, no retouching from like what yes. I see. Is that something else that you like spoke out loud and we're like, okay, we need to make this happen. And why was that so important to you? Yeah. So that was an idea that we were supposed to initially do right before COVID. So we had this big trip plan in 2020. We were going to go to Mexico and it was another thing that just got spoken out loud. And my team was like, oh God, what's she talking about this time? And I was like, I want to do a, I want to do a live photo shoot. I think that first of all, when you part, like our partners in the shoot, the models that we work with, like they are our ambassadors, our spokespeople, like their audiences are the audiences that we want to reach. So many brands talk about unretouched, but these suits look great on everyone. So why don't we just show them? literally living their lives and they can post whatever they want. And we will put the suits live on the site as we do the shoot. And so that was really the idea was we design these suits. We fit on everybody. We know that they look good. And so how can we actually remove that barrier between brand and consumer and instead bring them in where they can be a part of it too. And I think the coolest thing that people saw was like us taking the pictures and then 30 minutes later getting the email in their inbox and then clicking through and seeing the homepage banner on the website and being like, what? I just saw like the three people in that photo all live, you know, just like talking live about doing the photo and now it's here. And so I think it's just, it's a confidence boost, you know? Yeah. I am so impressed with your out-of-the-box thinking because that's like something that like, I haven't heard of anyone doing that at all. And I'm like, I don't even know if I would like think about that. Like how crazy, you know, usually you got to follow this stuff and then this launch and the blah, blah, blah. I just am really impressed with that. And I admire that so much. What was some other feedback you got from from that? Was your team initially like, oh my God, how are we going to do that? Like, yeah. I swear when COVID happened, they were like, thank God COVID happened because we don't have to do this swim trip. And then they were like, do you think she's going to drop it? And, and like, I didn't drop it. She forgot about it, right? Like there's a lot of things going on in the world. I never <laughs> forgot. And we actually just came out of a meeting this morning talking about what we're going to do next year. And it's like 10 times more as ambitious. And they're like, what are you you're, But they're going to do it. They know we can do it. So yeah, there was a lot of skepticism. But I think... I had to be clear. I was like, it's not about the photos. It's about the experience and bringing people behind. It's not going to be perfect. It can't be. We're not going to script people. We don't want to. We Mm -hmm. wouldn't partner with folks that we want to script anyways. And so it was kind of getting people over the fear of how it's going to work. Yeah. And then we learned a lot. And the next time we did it, we did it differently. And so we have this kind of mantra, Nick's or mantra, I never say it right, which is that <laughs> safe is risky. And sometimes the riskiest thing in the world is to play it safe. And that's how we feel right now. There are so many different brands. There's so many options. It's like, how are we really going to connect with our customers and make them know that we're different? And to do that, we have to take risks. I'm sure like the impact of that like narrative around this idea would be, it was 20 times more impactful than just having a beautiful image on the website. Like that narrative that you created what created so much more uh, connection and interest than any single image mm-hmm. ever could. Yeah. 
I was going to say that I think for me, what really stands out about you in particular as a founder, but also just Nick's as a brand is the emphasis on community. When I think of you and Nick's, like every event I've been to, you're there, like you're talking to everyone. It's not like you're at the center. I'm in my, I'm in my underwear too. (laughs) Yeah. You're in your underwear too, right? (laughs) Exactly. You're just as vulnerable and involved as everyone else. And I think sometimes like founders feel so out of touch and brands feel so out of touch and you've just done such an incredible job of fostering this community. So I guess one, like why was that so important to you? Because I still don't think a lot of brands do that. And two, how did you go about creating that community and seeing like your customers as a community more than just like spending and buying power? That's a great question. I'm going to think about where this comes from. So I I think part of it comes from my, what I did before Nix was I worked in arts and entertainment. And so I worked at Universal Music with like musicians and I worked in film and television. And so I have always just had this really strong belief about the importance of connection and how if we really want to make people feel connected, we have to make them physically feel something. Like we have to connect with them on a deeper level than just showing them a shiny photograph or, you know, like doing whatever. And so, so much of what I did in that world was about experiences. It was about like creating community or if it was around a TV show or a a band or whatnot. And so when we built this brand, we really wanted it to be about community as well. And make no mistake, like we were, we were trying to create a movement too. Like we were trying to change the way that people menstruate. We were trying to change the way that people view themselves and their bodies. We were trying to like start all of these conversations around things that are not spoken about, like fertility and whatnot. And the only way to do that is together. And so I think that that's where the community aspect started from. And for me to be involved, I always recognized with these bigger things, if I was asking someone to take a really big leap and to do something bold, So if I was asking 500 of our customers to share with our community their their fertility challenges, like I can't ask them to do that if I'm not going to, if I'm not going to join, join the community too. You know what I mean? So I just felt like I'm going to do this with you. You're going to talk about pregnancy loss. I'll share my story too. Like I'm not different than you. We're in this together and we're going to build a movement together. And so confidence tour is a funny one because I went into that and I was like telling all these stories in my head, you know, we like sold the business. I'm like a president of a company. I'm like, I can't be in my underwear. And then within like 10 minutes, I was like, Woo, let's do it. Because <laughs> I saw and you were there, like if we wanted everyone to walk, I had to walk first. That was setting the tone. You know what I mean? And so I think that where brands make mistakes is that they don't recognize the role that they have to play in building and shaping the community. And you see this as content, like in what you do, you have to be in there too. You have to answer the questions, respond to the comments. It has to be two ways. It can't be one directional. And I think that so many brands are like too afraid with getting it perfect that they lose like the beauty and the messiness of when you co-create together. Yeah. And we talked briefly at the beginning that this is 10 years since you started and you posted like a little Instagram 
real looking back at the 10 years. Is there any like specific big moments or highlights that pop out in your head that are super special or had a huge impact on you over the last 10 years? So many. There's been so many. I feel like I've lived a lot of lives. So Confidence Tour was definitely one of them. The magic and energy that was in that room was incredible. We did a really powerful project called Life After Birth when after my first son was born. Did you see that? And I'm, it got I'm turned in it. Oh, you're in it, Christina. Yeah, you're in it. Of course. Okay, great. So that was super powerful. And it got turned into this beautiful coffee table book. I hope that you got a copy. And if you didn't, we got to send it to you. Wait, for um, people who Life After Birth, it's a coffee table book featuring, what is it? It's featuring the stories of like, I think over 100 to 200 people. Wow. And it's them and an image about their postpartum experience and then a personal caption. And it has like, Ashley Graham wrote the foreword, you know, Eva Longoria's in it, Kristen Bell, Gabrielle Union Wade. Like it has like incredible people in it. Um, and it. I'm in it too. <laughs> and Christina's in it and I'm in it. I was, I was saving the best for last, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's a really beautiful book. And I think it's like the best book you can give to someone at a baby shower. Because there's a universal truth, which is like every parent feels like they're getting it wrong, that they're on their own. It's extremely overwhelming. And so it kind of like brings together all of these like really beautiful stories. And it got published by Rizzoli, who's like one of the best coffee table book publishers in the world. And so that was like really beautiful to see that come together. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, everything's happening in real time too. I'm I'm going to Monaco next week, which I'm really excited about. We won Entrepreneur of the Year for Canada and now we're going to Globals and that's super cool. Did you find a dress Um, by the way? Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) It's right right beside me. Yeah, I I did like a styling session. I feel good. I'm very under control. Thank God. Because that was... We were concerned for a second. I I, I found it on Friday, so you should be concerned. Perfect, perfect. Down to um, the wire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's been so many, so many great moments. Another one I love, and this dates back to 2017, but we had a really wild idea to do this fashion show in the middle of the street. And so it was like end of November, freezing cold in Toronto. And we had transformed this nightclub into a, our first pop-up slash gym, very complicated, but it was cool. And on the outside, we got that artist, you know, the person who was drawing the wings in like Nashville in LA. and yeah. yeah, and in LA and stuff. So she came and drew wings, wings on the side of the building. And we had this big tagline that said, seriously, everybody is an angel and you could pose in front of the wings. And we filmed between idea and it launching was less than 48 hours. And we orchestrated this whole fashion show in the middle of the street. What? Wait, this your team's probably <laughs> like, Joe's crazy. <laughs> It was next level. I'm going to share it with you all. And then it got more views in the first like six weeks than the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show got that year. Wow. More people watched this video than they watched that thing. Holy shit. Yeah, it was cool. It was, that was a cool one. Yeah. Like there's been, there's been so many moments. It's really, it's really cool, like overwhelming. and, And I feel very lucky. Something that I think that people need to know is that you're also a mom. Like you've done this while raising children, while giving birth to kids. 
I think that to me is just so mind blowing. Like obviously I'm a mom of two and I find the balance so incredibly hard sometimes. And I know that raising a kid, raising kids and having a business obviously comes with some sacrifices. So I guess what were the sacrifices you feel like you had to make along the way, both in your career and in your home life? Yeah, I think, you know, I always joke, I'm definitely not the best mom in the class. Like when I pick my kids up from school, even the teachers are like, oh, Joanna's here today. You know, mama's here. And my kids are always like shocked and elated that it's me, you know? And so I think that there's there's sacrifice that comes in knowing that you're going to miss some of the moments, the everyday moments. But I also, I don't beat myself up over it. And I think that's just because I was lucky to a certain extent when I found out I was having twins. And the reality was I was going to have three kids under two and be running this company. And I was just like, no one can do this well. And so I'm not even going to try. And so I don't compare myself to other people or other parents. I don't like give myself a hard time. I just know that like this is a really unique situation. I love my kids. I'm there for them a lot. And I also love that they are experiencing love from more people than just me. They are surrounded by people that love them. And their definition of love is not singularly tied to me. And so I'm really lucky to kind of be in that situation. I think that's amazing because I think, I feel like we've been told this lie almost that like we can have it all. Women can have it all. And like, yeah, you can, but like with sacrifices and it's taken me a while to realize that. Yeah, there is, you know, I loved this saying that I heard someone, honestly, the first year I started NYX, I saw this person named Jordan Banks speak and he was talking about there is no such thing as work-life balance. There's only work-life rhythm. And sometimes work is going really fast and there's no time for a downbeat and you're 100% in on what you're doing and you can't really give time to friends or family or even sometimes yourself. Like, And that is okay as long as when you're on a downbeat and you have things aren't as intense, you're really refilling your soul and your heart by being there for your friends, being there for your family, you know, doing the self-care. And so I've sort of learned to appreciate things that way. I'll go through periods where I'm traveling every week and I'm on the road and I'm living out of a suitcase and it's hectic and I like, it's overwhelming. But then when that's over and I'm not doing that, I make sure I'm like very present for what's there. Yeah. During the confidence tour, you said something to me that I've repeated on the podcast. And I like, literally, it's been so profound. I've made TikToks it's, about no, it. It's changed your life. It's I changed think. my life. And I don't know if you remember, but you told me like. I do. You do? I, do. I literally started yeah. crying, you guys. I was like, oh my gosh. Because Joanna said, I, you know, I always go back and forth about wanting to figure out if I want to stay in LA or move home. And you said that home, when you're home, you can see the world. And when you're away, you're always going home. And that was so impactful to me. And I think that's just like a good reminder that first of all, all of our lives are different. You can't compare to anyone else's, right? But that sometimes you need to make those sacrifices too to have the support that you need to run your career, live your life, you know, build your family. That's right. And I think as well, like, I'm telling you, this is something I'm telling myself at this moment too, is like, you can make decisions for the period of life you're in right now. And that doesn't mean that it's forever and always, you know, like, 
it means that this is the right circumstance for where I'm at at this exact moment. And this is what's going to set myself up, my family up, like this, my career up. This is what's needed now. And it might be different in five years. And that's okay too. Like, I think we put so much emphasis on these like, quote unquote, big life decisions. But what is a big life decision? How are we defining that? I think a big life decision is choosing to like yourself and choosing to have like a good mindset and attitude. I think that's like the biggest, best life decision you can make, you know? And when you have that, you can also like be a little bit more open. Mm. Yeah. No, that's so true. I feel like I think of big changes as forever changes. But you're right. Like they don't have to be. I'm terrified of forever. Just like I'm terrified of things ending. I'm also freaked out by forever. Like it's like those two things, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, Joanna, one thing we always ask our guests is when was the last time your confidence was really tested and how did you handle that situation? That's such a good question. I feel like it gets tested in little ways all the time, but I'm trying to think about a big way. And it, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a big way. It can be in, you know, your personal life, your work life, any moment where you were like, oh, this is really like making me uh, sweat a little bit, <laughs> sweat a little, test my confidence. Oh, I mean, I like, I feel like I just came out of a meeting that tested my confidence. Like I think it's, it's so interesting when you're doing something that has you on a growth trajectory every day, you feel like a little bit of an imposter. Mm -hmm. And so honestly, before I came on the call, I was just talking to a coworker and I was like, Oh, that meeting, like I'm so depleted that really kicked me in the butt. And it happens and it happens a lot, you know, like I, I, I feel candidly, like it happens every day. Something kicks me in the butt every day where I'm like, Oh God, like, okay, keep going. But I've been through some huge confidence testers, which I think make like the little, little bumps feel like more manageable, manageable. Exactly. They don't stop me. You know, it's like turbulence. The plane's not going down. It's just a little bit bumpy. And then I like, you know, need it to be over so I can get back and they can serve me like another drink and (laughs) a little snack. Like, yeah, yeah. You're like, get me that ginger ale. <laughs> exactly. Well, can you share? I know you are always coming up with clearly wild ideas that are shaking things up. Is there anything you can share that's exciting coming up for you and the brand that you can obviously give us a little sneak peek on? Yeah, well, I can I can give you a, a hint that we're planning, I hope, something even bigger for Swim next year that involves a lot more people and brings like tons of people into this like live experience kind of component. And I'm really, really excited about that. We have some big taboos that we're looking to tackle next. So except, you know, we've talked about fertility, we've talked about the postpartum experience. We're really kind of excited to debunk like aging a little bit more and specifically what happens to women's bodies while they age and perimenopause and like, what does all that mean? So excited to go after that in a, in a big way too. Gosh, well, we are so excited and I cannot wait to one, continue following the journey of Nyx. We're here to support every way that we can. And also just to see you crush it in Monaco and 
continue to be a part of this incredible community that you've built. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. And I'm going to follow along with both of you as well, because you're two of my favorite people to follow. And you also, you know, make me feel a little bit better about myself every single day. And that is such a, such a great gift that you're giving to me and to others. So. Oh, well, likewise. Thank you so much, Joanna. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.